Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment, food as sport, food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. On the show with us today is TJ Millard. TJ was an Apache helicopter pilot in the Army. He's competed in numerous physique competitions and currently is an actor and drone pilot for film and television. TJ has a really unique perspective on food and exercise because he has been through some challenging circumstances and he's here to talk about it. You can find him on Instagram at tj.millard. TJ Millard. Welcome. Millard, yeah. Millard. <laughs> I know a TJ Miller who's a yep. comedian. And so sometimes when I say your name or think your name, I try to play with it a little bit and go, maybe it's TJ Maillard. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know why my proclivity is towards French. I know of your friend, TJ Miller, yeah. and uh, on the movie that I just did, the, the short film, or it's actually a full-length film, but the, uh, the on the call sheet, it initially read TJ Miller. I was like, nope, we have different price tags right now, so you're going to want to fix This is unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I am interested in what everyone eats, but you were in the Army, and I'm very interested in what you ate in the Army. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a subject because I had my own kind of animosity towards the army diet. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that's part of what because you, I knew you right when you were getting out. Yep. And you were very fit. You know, and I don't picture, I picture army dudes as really small. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, is that terrible? <laughs> I think of special forces guys as big, uh -huh. 
But then I think they're not eating in the mess with the regular army guys. <laughs> and you're a pilot, so you got weight things. Like, aren't there weight issues for helicopters? Yeah, not so much as like an aviator in, in the airframes that we're flying. I mean, we're, you know, max gross weight, we're talking about 20,000 pounds. So okay. me having an extra 50 or 100 pounds is not going to make a difference. I'm just thinking of my own personal experiences getting on helicopters. And there have been times where the pilot has looked at me and gone like, get the scale. <laughs> and like made me stand on the scale. And yeah. And then he's doing calculations in his head. So I just figure yep. that's a tricky thing with helicopters. Civilian helicopters, absolutely. Yeah. We have some serious power, so. Okay, so yeah. you were fine. <laughs> yep. You were not putting anyone's life in danger by no. being larger than average. And I mean no disrespect to the Army <laughs> by saying I think of uh, Army dudes as small, but I think of the food in the Army as shitty. Is that, I mean, listen, this is terrible. No, I, you're, you're 100% <laughs> correct. And I, so I was doing, when we met, we met like Five years ago. Yeah. And I think we were just gearing up for an NTC rotation, which is the National Training Center up here in California, uh, where, yes. where we go and like play war and pretend, uh, you know, that we're in a conflict. And it prepares a unit to go downrange. And uh, I think at that point in time, I was doing uh, my second physique competition. So right. it, was, it was, you know, very clean eating, you know, the, the chicken and the rice and, and, and just very clean. And it was difficult because when we would go to NTC or another rotation, the Army doesn't – I mean, we're not getting prime ribs and, you know, quality food here. It's – the box of Pop-Tarts is over there. Here's some more carbs and more carbs and more carbs right. and hop to it. And I understand that I'm out there to serve a function as an aviator. I'm not out there to be a bodybuilder. I'm not out there to be a physique competitor. I, I signed up to do this, you know. So I don't expect them to cater to my – physique diet but at the same time it's it's frustrating to be like i need my chicken i need my rice and here i am throwing all this junk down you know? yeah i hear a lot and i think a lot about how complicated eating right and by the way right could be intermittent fasting or vegan or fucking keto oh, yeah. i just swore i'm sorry i didn't need to or uh low fat right like yep. we're talking about chicken and rice that's a yep. that's pretty much a standard like bodybuilding diet right yeah. and little fiber somewhere yep. and then i think of for the majority of americans the concern is how do i structure that in my nine to five job life right which is difficult and then i think about in the military where it's a 24 7 job with occasional days off and stuff like that and liberties and stuff and i think it's got to be so much more complicated when some big bureaucratic system is just deciding what everybody needs to eat. Right. I hear what you're saying, how it's difficult for people to follow a diet, you know, depending on what career they're in and, and that type of thing. I kind of came from it from a different perspective of, you know, if this is a priority for me, this is kind of how I, I frame my day. You know, the, the, we can make excuses all day long, but if I'm up there, if I'm at... 3,000 feet shaking up a protein shake, I think you can put your food in the microwave and uh, we'll be just fine, you know? Right. It's it's a matter of if it's a priority or not. Sure. So that's my kind of outlook on, on eating clean. You know, if it's, if it's what you want, then that's what you go and do. Yeah. How long did you do that? I mean, I imagine you've been doing that for a while now, but like when we met five years ago, you were still in the military. Yep. How long had you been maintaining that? I think I had been training for about two years seriously. Right. I'd been lifting since I was 15 years old. It was funny because when I first started going like lifting and, and, and into the bodybuilding thing, before all that, my buddy's parents in high school owned a Cold Stone Creamery. 
so at this point in time, we're just like, oh, well, we're told we need to eat a lot of food to put on size, you know? So we're like, well, we can get some calories in Cold Stone. So we would go and take the protein and put it in the in the ice cream and mix oh it all God. up. And we were just shoving. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked I don't have diabetes. But yeah, it, it, I, and then I think around 2000, 2012, 2013 is when I really kind of honed in on the, the importance of diet. Because yeah. even, even, even up through college, it was still like – getting in Panda Express and getting in this junk food that is not doing any benefit to my body. I mean, regardless of, oh, oh it's got it's got 50 grams of protein. Sweet. Okay, well, it's also got, you know, 300 grams of carbs or whatever it is in this one meal, right. you know? So, yeah. And what are the tenets that you have held on to that, that like, maybe you stuck with then that have, have stayed with you? What are some of the things that you're doing today? Planning ahead. If you, if you don't plan your meals ahead, you plan to fail. So, uh, you know, ensuring that you do bring a protein shake or you bring something that, that you feel okay eating when, it, when hunger strikes and it's not a Snickers, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say planning ahead for your food because even I still fly out here every now and again for, for one of the companies out here. We fly different people up and down the coast and stuff. Um, and it's, a, you know, grab a protein shake, shake that up, and, and we're good to go. Right. So that, that's probably the big thing. Planning. Planning. Yeah. Yeah. I think about planning a lot, and I, I I do plan my daily food a lot. But I also I also get into planning my cheat meals quite extensively because I feel like if I do as much planning, I can make up for the energy balance by yeah. taking more steps that day or doing some cardio that day. Yep. But then I also am going into it not emotionally, and I'm thinking through what I'm doing. So I, you know what I mean? Like I think there's some difference between. I'm going to give up and just have a cheat meal and and be completely irresponsible versus I'm going to have something I want to have right now and I'm going to understand every component of it. You know, yeah, like on cheat meals and, and and that type of thing. I never. I mean, it was it was rare for me to have a cheat meal. I mean, if, I, if my friends were in here who I was in the army with, they'd be like, "No, this guy was chicken and rice." At you know, if we were out, I had to find food. We're talking like at a bar type thing, you know. Yeah. And it was it was no annoying. They hated it, but it was what I was doing. Right. But uh, I think with uh, with cheat meals now. I definitely it doesn't bother me as much because I, I don't compete anymore. It's not not what I'm doing uh, after the you know with the, with the medical stuff that we had talked about a while back ago yeah. that happened in the army. I haven't been putting that that kind of stress on my body, so kind of just more relaxed. And I, I do find myself falling into those those traps of like, oh well, I haven't eaten a whole lot today, and I, I worked out. I guess I can have a pizza for dinner, you know. Right. And then and then there's you know all this crap food right before you go to bed. Yeah, I think largely for me though, if if I don't have a goal. If I'm not preparing for something, what like for you, if I'm not preparing for a role, if I'm not preparing for a show, whatever it is, I don't have the same motivation. Right. And I'm okay staying stagnant. You know, right. like I'm okay. Like maintenance. Maintenance, yes. But for your maintenance, you can't be eating pizza every day. No. Right. <laughs> so there's still like some baseline that you're sticking to. There is a baseline. But recently, I mean, we're within the last year and a half, it has been all over the place. Because of the autoimmune thing that I that I got in Iraq really took a toll on on my energy levels, um, just my strength levels and all this because I wasn't in the gym. I mean, I showed you, I have showed you the pictures of, yeah. of my hands and my legs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but let's let's deviate for a second. Let's yeah. talk about that. What happened in Iraq? So right before we deployed in sixteen, we were heading over to Mosul to assist in uh, retaking the city from ISIS. We all, everyone who deploys get vaccines. 
Right. Um, and so at the time, we, we, we get a lot of vaccines at one time. I was uh, still doing competitions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we get, I think we get the vaccine, the anthrax vaccine. And I started noticing, uh, this is even before we deployed, I started noticing that my hands were like a little bit tighter. Right. Like they started curling a little bit, but nothing crazy. I was doing a lot of front squats at the time. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's a sports injury. I was, I was back like this and I hurt them both. You know, we'll just see what happens. Cause we're about, we're about three weeks out from deploying. Doesn't get better. So we, we deploy and we're, we're over there and doing our thing. And I am just, uh, tired, really tired. And I'm on, I'm flying nights. I think my entire life, I've always been able to kind of just drive through, you know, you put the mission first, you can get it done no matter what. I was just so tired though. And, and really having to push through. And then things started to go south. Cause I, we were still working out on our shift. So, you know, uh, we were, we were serving a function of a QRF, which is a quick reaction force. So that's the type of thing where, uh, for instance, like one of the, one of the calls we got, we're sitting there, we're, we're playing call of duty. It's two in the morning, you know, how everything's going good. Phone rings and, uh, they're like, Hey, launch, launch, launch. We have about 10 minutes to get from point A to point B, point B being the helicopter, uh, and engines running ready to take off. So we got that down to around seven minutes, which was a lot of fun because you get to run out, jump in the truck, and you're hauling, hauling ass out there and get the adrenaline going. The problem was they did a lot of uh, like tests just to make sure you're you're doing it in the amount of time that you're supposed to do it. And well, we get out there, we're starting engines, and uh, and my one of the lieutenants comes up and he's like, "Hey, this is real world." And and my buddy Ian and I were both just like, "Oh." Because this is one of our first real world missions. And so they launch us and it was a, a Blackhawk had taken some machine gun fire flying into the embassy down in uh, Baghdad. And so they launched us. We get over there. We, you know, we start looking around all that kind of stuff. But I, I kind of deviated over there for a second. That, no, that's what QRF is. It was so exciting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what QRF is. Anyways, so we, we, we would do our workouts and stuff during our QRF shifts. So, you know, three in the morning out there, do, we had these big maintenance clamshells where they put the helicopters in and do all the maintenance on them and all that kind of stuff. So we have our, our gym in there. We're doing lunges all the way down, all the way back, all that kind of stuff. And I'm getting swollen. Like my my calves, which I've never had big calves. And I was joking with my buddy. He's like, dude, I think your calves are growing. I was like, I think so. We're doing a lot of legs. This is really working. Right. But when I would take off my boot, it was the picture that I showed you with the swelling. Like yeah. you could see... You could see where the sock was, and you could see where the boot was. It was like a wedding cake of layers, and it was uh, it was at the time I didn't know what it was, but it was pitted edema, and like you press in, and it would it was like a jelly. It just stayed in, <sighs> and so it got to the point where when I'm when I'm running out to the helicopter, I would have to get in the helicopter on my knuckles because I I could no longer straighten my hands. I like me putting my hand right here. I thank God right now because this this was not a possibility two years ago. It was it would have been like this. Right. And so I'm I'm getting in the helicopter and up and my commander finds out, and she uh she's like, hey, you need to go see the flight doc, and, I, and that's not something that any aviator wants to do because. If you get grounded, you're not flying anymore. You're doing something else, you know, I mean, at least until you're better. Uh, so I ended up going to the flight dock. Um, they took a bunch of blood. I'm, I'm going to shorten the story up because it's a long one. Uh, but they took a lot of blood. Um, medevaced me out of Erbil, which is where we were at the time, to Baghdad. They did more blood tests. They're like, hey, we have no idea what's going on. Your, your, your blood looks okay except for one thing, which is called eosinophils. And eosinophils are a type of uh, white blood cell. 
And apparently my, my body was producing a tremendous amount of these eosinophils. Um, and so, uh, I get medevaced out of there. I go to Germany. They take more blood. I, I feel like I gave like a gallon of blood while I was in Germany. It just kept coming. I'm like, what is going on? Like, we don't know. And by the time in, 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 in the week from Erbil to Germany, I went from not being able to, I mean, like I was, I was just still in the gym working out, doing all that kind of stuff to the week later, I could barely walk. I was like a 90 year old man. My joints were stiff. I could barely stand up. It was, it was going south really quick. Um, and so then I, I got medevaced from Germany over to Walter Reed and then Walter Reed back to joint base Lewis McCord, which was my home station. They cut me open right here and did a biopsy and then confirmed that it was this extremely rare, uh, autoimmune condition called eosinophilic fasciitis. Which, and was this a reaction to the vaccines? So that, that, and I asked the doc, I was like, how does this, how does this even come about? And he's like, I mean, it, it could really have just been a reaction from, you know, one of the vaccines that you got. And it, it was probably the anthrax vaccine. Wow. Uh, and I was like, okay. Yep. So, and, and, you know, something that he had brought up and I, I guess I did myself a bit of a disservice uh, was he's like, you know, because of the amount of exercise you were doing, you know, I was doing two, three a days. I mean, I was in a severe overtrained state. I was not a smart lifter by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's like, you're, you're already stressing. Your immune system is already messed up from doing that much training. And then you go and pump it full of this stuff. He's like, yeah, tip the scale. Right. So, yeah. Right. But, so, and you have had a total recovery. No, oh. uh, not a total recovery. Um, still deal with some, some pretty significant fatigue on, on like certain days. I'm just like, oh, I got to sit on the couch. I got to, I got to hang out. I am exhausted. Um, Mobility wise, a lot has been recovered. Uh, I was on prednisone for a year and a half, uh, which is a nasty drug. Uh, and that's actually when, well, like, as we come full circle here back to the diets, uh, that's when I started playing with a lot of different diets. And so in April of 18, I went vegan for a month, uh, which I never thought I would go vegan. And I will say I was able to wean myself off of prednisone while doing vegan. Wow. Uh, and I, and I stayed off. Um, so yeah, because prednisone has its own host of side effects and oh, yeah. right. It's yeah. not, I it, took it from, once from, for a week. I can't imagine for how long <laughs> you took it. Yeah. It's it, from, from sleep issues, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of, a host of a myriad of, of, of issues come from prednisone. Right. Uh, so it's not something that you want to stay on. You know, my, my grandma had, rheumatoid arthritis and she was on it for a long time and it just destroyed her. So I was like, nope, going to figure out how to get off this. So, uh, uh, yeah, did vegan came off of it and then went back to kind of slowly introducing, um, other types of food. And I mean, it's funny to go from, from vegan to kind of just a normal omnivore diet, you know, all the food groups to, I recently did, I, I think we talked about it in the gym. Uh, I did carnivore for a month. I miss that. How how was that? Because I, that for me is, seems terrifying. <laughs> well, I was joking with Nick about it because he's like, "I'm surprised you're still alive," you yeah. know. <laughs> and and, and, uh, and I felt great. Really, I felt great on carnivore. And you were still lifting. You had energy in the gym. Still lifting. A, a really good. I, the first couple of days, you you are very weak in energy, and then it kind of just balanced out, and I felt pretty good. Wow. It was an expensive diet because I was eating, you know, 
couple of ribeyes a day. Right. You don't um, want to eat tuna. Like yeah, canned tuna doesn't well, sound fun if you're just eating animal so protein. There's, yeah, there, there's various levels of carnivore. And the top level of carnivore is just red meat. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of what I was trying to do. Right. And I so like the swelling in my hands when I was on carnivore was the best that it had looked since I've been. At any point during either of these diets, vegan or carnivore, did you get blood work done and look at your blood or anything like that? <laughs> I, I did get blood work done on carnivore, and, which and, I'm sure a lot of people are interested to see what that looked like. Yeah. So there is, <laughs> there is, uh, have you, have you heard of Sean Baker, Dr. Sean Baker? Yeah. Okay. So he's like the big proponent for, for carnivore. Yeah. Um, and, and I listened to him on Joe Rogan and, and him talk about all the benefits of it. Uh, and then also Jordan Peterson and his daughter went carnivore and they, they too talked about it on Joe Rogan yeah. and just so many positive things about it. And so I, I tried to get uh, what research I could get done via these podcasts. And then I jumped on it. And when I did my blood work, I was like, all right, I know this cholesterol is going to be high. And so the doc's like, he's like, there's the green area where they want you to be. There's the yellow where like, hey, we should probably start slowing down. There's the red. And then there's where I was. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Cholesterol's see, through that... the roof. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We had a cardiologist in here. Yeah. We were talking to him and he was like, it's not all cholesterol. He said like yeah. two thirds of people with high cholesterol are fine, or maybe it was one third of people, or there's three factors to consider and cholesterol is one of them. Anyway, he calmed me down yeah. a little bit about my cholesterol concerns, though I don't have high cholesterol. Um, but when I was doing keto, it was sneaking up there mm -hmm. and I, and I was just like, well, I'm a big dude. I was a really, really big dude. Yeah. I don't want to put any kind of extra burden on my heart. So I made cholesterol like I focused on it, started taking niacin, which I think helped. Um, but if, you know, any kind of heart doctor saying here's like the extremely high and you're over here, that's got to yeah. be a little scary. It is. But at the same time, I was, I'm listening to these other people talk about the diet right. and, and they're even referencing people who have been doing it for 15 years, 20 years who are still doing fine. Yeah. And, and listening to them talk about, you know, cholesterol is not indicative. It is not the only factor for a heart attack. Yeah. You know, just because you have high cholesterol doesn't mean you're, you're bound to have a heart attack. Right. I'm not a doctor. I don't know that I'm putting this out here via. No, but a doctor said that to us. A yeah, cardiologist said that to us. Yeah. So that comforted me a little bit. I'm like, well, you know what? I, I'm feeling fine. Right. And so it was, it was weird because you're not eating as much. Right. Uh, so to go from, and know, is that because you're not hungry? You're not right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you eat a steak twice a day. That's it. Yeah. Next week I'll be in here with a steak. <laughs> you just said you're not hungry. I'm like, okay, that's just, my diet. Yeah. It's constantly <laughs> snacking on a steak. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different diet, but I mean, you know, so how long did you do that? Just under a month. Okay. Yeah. Around like 27, 28 days. And when you. When you started adding food back, did you gradually add things back and see if your body had a reaction to them? Or did you just go one day, I'm back to being an omnivore? Uh, no, I mean, I like to say I gradually did. But in reality, I mean, it was maybe like one or two days. And I was like, all right, where's the pizza? You know? Right. <laughs> so, right. Uh, interesting, though, I, I started working with a doctor out here um, who did a, an allergy or a food sensitivity panel test for me. Cause I, if you can find out what foods are promoting inflammation in your body, you can avoid them and, and hopefully feel better. So he does this, this food panel test 
and it came back and I was shocked at what was causing inflammation in my body because it was a lot of foods that I'm eating thinking I'm doing good for my body. So like the, the most severe thing was almonds. Wow. And I'm like, well, no, I'm supposed to eat these. These are good for me, you know? And then, and then on the medium side, it was like chicken, avocado, like I have a list of things on that are moderate promoters of inflammation in my body that I no longer eat. And wow. I, chicken, I one, chicken was one of them. Yeah. I, I, do you know what blood type you are? O positive. O positive. I'm O positive too. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know if the blood type diet is real, but I did hear from somebody that A and B have, or can have issues with chicken. Really? But I, I, I don't know anything. I don't know the science, if there's yeah. science behind that. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure either, but I was, I was definitely shocked by the foods that came back. Cause I was over here like chugging almond milk. Like, oh, this is better for me than dairy, you know? Right. Nope. <laughs> right. Yeah. And chicken. Yeah. I always, I always think of chicken as a health food. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the number one. That's the thing you should eat. Chicken and yeah. vegetables. That's right. in my mind too. Yeah. 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 I definitely, I got chicken, chickened out, uh, after doing all, like a lot of the fitness stuff. Yeah. And I, I no longer enjoy eating. Like, even if it wasn't a, a, a inflammation marker for me, I wouldn't eat it. Like, right. Yeah. Unless it was like the only protein on the menu. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you eat now? Uh, what whatever you want. Because yeah. you're one of those fucking people <laughs> that can just eat whatever they want. Uh, and I'm sorry you're not a fitness model eating whatever you want. You're just like a, an averagely great looking person. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, no, I, I uh, eat a lot of a lot of eggs. Okay. Eggs are – I go through so, a dozen a day probably. So the unborn ovum – Is not chicken. It's not? No. What do you have to add to that to make it chicken? I guess you're – they're not inseminated at that point? What if they were fertile eggs? Would it be a chicken? I have no idea. We should find this out. <laughs> yeah. We need to ask Bill Nye the science yeah, guy. Yeah. Wow. So that so your body does not react to eggs? No. Okay. Nope. Eat a lot of eggs, eat a lot of pork. Pork was one of the the proteins where I was like, hey, this is good for you. Like for my body, apparently, it was zero inflammation markers. Wow. Yeah. And what about beef? Beef was on the uh on the uh, mild. So right. there, there's a list where it's like uh, 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 severe, moderate, and mild. And the mild has a lot of things on it. But he's like, hey, these are inflammation markers. But it's, it's like just avoid them if you can. Right. Um, but if you – were there any vegetables on there? Not to eat? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What vegetables? Um, hold on. Let me get the list out. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to show you this because it's, it's I'm pretty... excited. I have – you know, we live in Los Angeles and there's always something oh, yeah. that's on a list that's bad at some point. There's always a list floating around of like right now, you know. Yeah. And somebody – and there's different lists. Like right now, cow, eating cows is really bad. Yep. And they're not just PETA. You know, there's other reasons that it's right. bad apparently. But also – uh, cucumbers are apparently bad. It's on my list. Really? Yeah. Uh, bell peppers? Uh, no, I don't see peppers on there. But okay. peppers aren't generally good for autoimmune because they're a nightshade. Right. And so nightshades any nightshade, get rid of. You, if you have an autoimmune, you are supposed to. I mean, per an, per the like autoimmune protocol diet, right? You should avoid nightshades. Wow. Yeah, and that's peppers and eggplant, potatoes, tomatoes, oh, potatoes. Yep. Okay, tomatoes. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of delicious vegetables. Right. Yeah. 
that are all poisoning us, apparently. Supposedly. I'm still going to eat them. <laughs> Dude, this is the – let me just read the moderate list. Okay. So – Apple. And that's moderate is you're supposed to avoid it if you can. No. Oh. Mo- mild you should avoid if you can. Oh, moderate is fucking banned. Don't touch it. I swear. Yeah. No. Like th- this uh, uh, apple, asparagus, avocado, banana, basil, brewer's yeast, chicken, cucumber. They just are out to get bees. <laughs> Date, dill, fig, hazelnut, lamb, parsley, rye, sardine, and tuna. That's moderate? Moderate. Uh, for me, this is specific to no, my, no. My I friend. know, I understand. I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just trying to think of what diet has been sold to me with those things. As like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, I've I've gone and seen nutritionists, and they've gone like, here's this diet. So I feel like it's got to conform to some protocol. Right. Uh, but I understand this is just a reaction to your blood yeah i think if you had if you had the test done you would have a different severe if you had a severe you might have a a long list of more moderates you know just something that that is because inflammation supposedly i mean as we learn more and more about the body but inflammation is the root of disease yeah you know so these are things that are promoting inflammation okay but look also you had a real serious thing going on i did like that that's a big part of this right so so for me I go like. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I kind of had in my heart at when I was much, much bigger, I wanted somebody to give me a list like that. And then that would solve all of my problems, right? right? If I just get rid of sardines and whatever the fuck, nightshades, Mm -hmm. swore again. (laughs) Are we keeping a tally? (laughs) I am. Okay. If I just get rid of these foods, then I'm fine. Then Then whatever's wrong with my body will stop being wrong and I'll lose weight, right? Like that was the hope. And- I just think that that wasn't it for me. You know what I mean? For me, it was I didn't move enough and I ate way too much and I ate really, really terrible foods. You know, not like, honestly, I don't think a Big Mac is really that bad for you if the rest of the food you eat is 
whole foods and you're staying under your calories, I don't think a Big Mac is going to have such an adverse effect on you. If you're eating a massive uh, caloric surplus in Big Macs, that's going to be poisonous. But I'm just saying, like, you had a real issue. So I just want I just want to make sure we're saying, like, if a person is just looking to lose weight, right? I don't know that that's what they need to do. Maybe it is. By the way, maybe they yeah. have some. Maybe it's affecting their thyroid or or, or something yeah. like that. That's possible, but probably more likely than not that they're just in a caloric imbalance. If we are just talking about losing weight and not not performance of someone's body, right. if you don't want to be like optimally performing like an athlete versus you know I just want to get to this number on the scale, yeah. I, I think I'm a firm believer of a calorie deficit. Regardless of what diet you're doing, they all put you in a caloric deficit. Yeah. That's the goal. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's math. I mean, even with carnivore, yeah. you're, you're saying you're not so hungry, so you're yeah. eating two steaks a day. You're yeah. probably not exceeding your calories with two steaks close. a day. Right. Not even close. Right. Yeah. So you're creating a pretty big deficit then. But what was interesting, even on carnivore, uh, let's, uh, let's say – Three ribeyes. What is it? What is what's it? How many calories are in like one ribeye? Something like it's a it's a good amount. But like, I, I don't know. Let me uh, check. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so even if you ate three, you're still not going to break two thousand calories. And I'm definitely. I don't know. More. Listen, you think you think more? If than that? you're getting like a two inch thick, <laughs> the big ones ribeye. Yeah. If you're getting yeah. like a tomahawk ribeye, that yeah. could be two thousand calories right there. I don't know. Really. There's a lot of fat. I mean, yeah. if you're trimming the fat, if you're not yeah, eating yeah. it, I'll eat the fat. I want that glistening. The marble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's crispy on the outside. This says, according to the USDA, an eight-ounce ribeye steak has 544 calories. Okay. okay. So you're eating three eight-ounce ribeyes. You're yeah. under 2,000. Under 2,000. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, my weight wasn't changing a whole lot, though. Okay. It was. I mean, it, I, def, I lost some weight. But it did it it uh, it maintained at a certain level. And you I, didn't it was feel like, like maybe you were six pounds, muscle? and then I was like, no. Well, and also I think the the six pounds, it's possible that that was just water because you weren't having carbohydrates, so your fluid balance changed. very well could have been. Yeah. I felt my workouts were like uh, when you eat a lot of carbs, you know, you get that pump yeah. from the glucose. I didn't, I didn't have that, so I kind of missed that. There was no like roadmap vascularity or anything like that. Right. But I, I was, I felt pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which if you're going from a state of not feeling pretty good, yeah, it's totally worth it. Yep. All right. So you're, you're still avoiding those foods. Oh yeah. Okay. I, even just the other day, I went to this, this Italian restaurant. I got a pasta and I was like, Hey, that doesn't have uh the parsley in it or whatever. Right. It's like, no, no, you're good. It comes. And I think there were little, I could see that it was there, but it was like all mixed in. I was like, I'm not going to send this back. I'm just going to eat it. Like it's, it's going to be okay. Right. And I ate it and my nose started running. Right. Huh. You know, and I, I think your body becomes adjusted if you're, if you're not aware of what's causing these things. It becomes a little bit numb to this. It, it's not as sensitive if you're eating foods that are like making you not feel great yeah. and you keep doing it. Once you eliminate them and then bring them back in, it's like, whoa, what, what's going on here? What is this? You know? Yeah. So I think that's uh, a benefit of knowing what you should and should not eat. Yeah. I eventually think I want to do something like that, but I want all the abs first. Yeah. Because I don't think I'm going to, I don't, I, you know, I like that, 
vascularity. That's yep. fun. I haven't had that very much. So I'm going to just enjoy that for a little while uh, longer. I understand. And then I'll have a new goal of like figuring out that I can't eat parsley. And then I'll be really depressed because <laughs> I like parsley a lot. It's a really nice garnish. It is. Yeah. So you may have just ruined my life. <laughs> just Thanks. from parsley alone. Yeah. Oh, man. We I may have just stolen your intolerance for to- parsley. <laughs> and now I'll just have it as a thought. Every time I eat parsley, I'll go, well, TJ's sensitive to this hey placebo you know yeah, all exactly. that whole thing you think that it's going to happen and now no i'm not i don't have a, <laughs> i don't have a parsley sensitivity there's no way even if science says i does i'm excited to see I what do. I don't care. <laughs> yeah me too that'll be fun right <laughs> it will i think we got to do experiments like that page yeah i think so what experiment are you going to do i would love to do a food sensitivity i think about doing that all the time and yeah. then i just get about as far as thinking about it and i don't do it but <laughs> I, like you, I totally understand what you're saying. I just want someone to tell me, well, if you don't eat these five things, you'll be a size six. It's not a problem, you know, but there's more to it than that. But knowing what you should avoid and your point that everyone is different. So, and that's the thing you're always, Ethan, you're always talking about each person's an individual and the diet that works is the one you stick to. And that's different for everybody. So maybe somebody wants to do autoimmune, but they don't have to avoid the same things as someone else or whatnot. It's just, it is so personal. Right. It really is. But another thing I think is so interesting is that for me, from my perspective for the longest time was that only guys who were 200 plus pounds overweight or even 100 plus pounds overweight or whatever it was who were obese in that category were going to have the lot in life where it was like a lot of consideration, a lot of time, a lot of thought is going to have to go into what you eat, your, your, your energy balance, those kinds of things in order to achieve some goal physically. Right. And that guys like you who as long as I've known you, and I remember when you were having more physical issues than you are now, but mm-hmm. guys who appear like you just don't have to do that. That was my thought for mm-hmm. a long time. And the more, you know, I, when I was uh, riding bicycles every day for eight hours a day for two years, those dudes were like models. I And when I say models, you know, I imagine a model like, having just like a fourth of a Ritz cracker, you know what I mean? Like as a meal and then like being able to set it down, like one of those jerks who can just have a beer and enjoy it. And you're like, (laughs) what kind of weird person are you that you're just having one drink like that? I can't relate to that at all. And I would just assume that it doesn't require effort, but that's not true. There's a lot of effort by guys like you to achieve whatever goal you're after. It isn't just mindless. It isn't just genetics. I know genetics probably play a part in it, but there's also a lot of effort, a lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I had a lot of friends in the army who would, who would, they were either overweight or they were, you know, trying to put on muscle, but it was like with a lot of the overweight ones, um, they would come up like, Hey man, I've been, I've been trying this diet. I've been trying the, the gym thing. You know, it's been, it's been two weeks. I haven't seen anything. I'm not, I, I, you know, I look the same. I'm like, dude, you didn't get fat overnight. You're not going to look like a model overnight. Right. You know, you got to continue. It's, it's trusting the process and continuing day after day and know that you're just sculpting away every single day. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and obviously, you know, stepping on a scale, 
once a week, maybe once every two weeks and making sure that you are seeing the progress. But I, I, honestly, I think the mirror is a, is a better indi- you know, indication of, of your goal for me, for, for, for trying to, if you want to look a certain way, like, okay, well, I need to work on that area. I need to work on, on my shoulders. I need to come out more, you know? Yeah. It was never a number. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the scale because I obsessively get on the scale. And for a long time, if there was a fluctuation, and I'm saying every morning yeah. I get on the scale. And if I saw a fluctuation, it would freak me out for the whole day and right. I would eat less that day. Right. And even if I was already dieting, yeah. It would just haunt me so much right. that I would do myself in kind of and screw up my ability to do the exercise I had laid out for that day or whatever I had to do that day because I was thinking about this number that really is not a great gauge of fat loss. No. It's it's a kind of terrible gauge of fat loss. And like you said, you become you can really get obsessed with it. Yeah. You know? I still get on the scale, but I have kind of learn to enjoy the fluctuation because I'm so diligent with my diet that I know that if, if it jumps up, it's either that I had salt or I, I, you know, there's a, there's a, 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 a lot of factors that could go into seeing the numbers move either direction on the scale. But now I actually chart over the course of a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? Does that and, make sense? and that's good to, to keep track of where it's going. You see the see the trend and make sure you're still on the right path. Yeah. I just for I, I just I have never understood the uh, obsession with a number. Right. Like we don't walk around like I'm two oh six, you know, like with a sign over our head. It's yeah. it's how do you it's what do you look like? Yeah. You know? Well that that yeah, I mean that's another thing. I uh I was a little, I was a bit lighter than I am now. I, I, I'm 261 this morning and I was like 247 at the time. And I went to see uh, Dr. Heisenga, who's an awesome doctor, who was the doctor for The Biggest Loser, like okay. really great sports medicine yeah. doctor. And he had, it was the first time I was doing a DEXA scan. And he kind of came in and looked at my chart and was like 247, okay, obese. And and I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm obese. Yeah. I ride a bike eight hours a day. I'm, right. you know, and he was like, no, no, we got to get that number down. And then we did the DEXA scan and I was like 15% body fat. Yeah. And he was like, you're fine. Yeah. Don't lose any more weight. You're done. Yes. You can just chill out here. And I, of course, riding a bike at the time was like, no. I need to lose 50 pounds, 60 pounds, whatever it is. I'm only going to eat while I'm riding the bike. Like these kinds of totally like psychotic (laughs) mantras. Yep. But even today, like the numbers have to be irrelevant at a certain point, because if we look at my BMI, I am overweight. I might even be obese. Yep. I have... With calipers, 10% body fat. On a DEXA scan, 13% body fat. So I'm not obese. I mean, you know what I mean? I have very little body fat compared to the muscle, but it's just just like these weird bracketed weight things of like, if you're this tall, you can only weigh this much. And if you weigh a pound more, whether it's muscle or your bones are insanely dense or what, you're obese. Yeah. No, it was, it was the same thing that went through the same thing in the army because when you get a, a PT test at my biggest, 
when we would do a PTA test, you'd go and you do the exercises and then you get weighed. And I think I was, you know, 205 or 210 at my, like the biggest. Fat. And yeah, thank you. And, but it was, they'd be like, all right, yeah, you got to take off the top. So you'd take off your, your blouse or whatever. Um, or we're in PT. So you have to actually take off your shirt and then they tape you, they tape your neck and they tape the, the stomach and stuff. And that's how they have to prove that you're not breaking the rules because of, you weighed over 200 yeah. pounds it was whatever the age weight thing was i can't remember yeah probably. something like that for yeah. my age and height and all that stuff yeah wow but it was like considered overweight right yeah and so the, I mean, here, like, i'm standing here like you know just hey, could you imagine better. if you had really like wide lats or oh, yeah. something like that and they yeah. were like you're still high get the calipers <laughs> yep yep so yeah so I, I no i agree i think all those numbers are kind of meaningless then the 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 one number that i kind of think about is uh when your neck is above 20 mm-hmm. um and i think that's inches around uh-huh. uh then you're more at risk for sleep apnea which is really bad it is so i love working traps as you know i do and i like working neck but i but i am still conscious of that so i check my neck because i don't ever want it to be above 20 because mm-hmm. that's i think sleep apnea is kind of scary um but kind of otherwise i don't really care like i i look at the scale because it's just become a sick habit and i'm a little bit of a masochist mm-hmm. but i at the end of the day i've had to talk myself into actually believing that these numbers are irrelevant yeah yeah, sleep, uh, sleep apnea. Uh, I used to think it was a an overweight thing as well, and then I got a sleep study in the army, and they're like, "You have sleep apnea." I was really? like, "Really, really?" <laughs> so yeah, what yeah. do you do? Uh, I have like a, it's like a oral appliance. Okay, and so it like kind of holds your jaw forward a little bit, and it, st- it stops you from grinding, grinding right. your teeth. So it's like a two for one, stops from grinding, and then opens up your airway a little bit, just by pulling the jaw forward, pushes it forward, yeah, pushes it forward, so it's like like that. It's really attractive. <laughs> do you look crazy when you put it on like it's got like these big vampire just... things like right. it like stops it from going back as it you know your jaw and um, when you take it off does your jaw sore in the morning it was when i first started right yeah but now it's it's fine right so yeah but you got it you got that's that's something you got to take care with. of that yeah. yeah you don't want to mess around with that i i had sleep apnea when i was 530 pounds yeah and I do not have sleep apnea today. Really? Yeah. But I had one of those. Um, the CPAPs? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't need it anymore. Good. Yeah. But yeah. but I, rem- I remember getting a rundown on that. And honestly, that felt scarier because it was, there's no prediction at all. You know, they could look at everything and go like, look, here's the path you're on with your size with your blood markers, uh, with cholesterol, with triglycerides, here's the, this is a path, right? Right. And with sleep apnea, they were like, you could die tonight. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. That's like four swears. You're at four. <laughs> at the end of every. Where's the swear jar? Just yeah. Say, yeah. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, sleep apnea is quite scary. You're literally stop breathing. Right. Yeah. Right? So, I think so. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I stopped breathing. I, I, had some, I had some friends in the army who had it like really bad. There, there is a lot of people in the army with sleep apnea. I don't know <laughs> if it's in the other branches as well or, or what's going on, but it's like not overweight people yeah. who have sleep apnea. And and it ranges from super mild like I have to where it's like uh, the AHI. Are you familiar with like the, the levels of, of sleep apnea? Mm-mm. So it's like four interruptions every 
hour is is moderate or mild, and then above that is is whatever. Um, but I, I had a friend who had like seventy interruptions every hour. Oh my god! I mean that, that you don't sleep. You're not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And was he like a zombie during he, the day? He, it was in his eyes. He, yeah. he was just, he was tired. Yeah. 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 I remember um, when I, before I got diagnosed with it, I like couldn't drive anywhere because I would fall asleep. Like, yep. you know, anything more than a couple blocks away, I was dozing off. It was, it was wild. Oh. Yeah. Um, Scary stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm glad we. I'm glad we tackled all of these things, all of the issues that could ever be tackled. Absolutely. In a podcast. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Except a swear jar, Paige. We're, I think we should start a swear jar and then we'll donate all the money to like um, literacy. Okay. Is that fine? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To the, the school for kids who can't read well. Well, you know, the the accusation is ultimately that I have a limited vocabulary because I choose to use these cheap words. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I kind of like these cheap words. Like I have an affinity for really dirty language. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they've, they're for emphasis sometimes. It's mm -hmm. not because you can't come up with another word. You of all people, it's not because you can't come up with another word. It's for emphasis. Mm. I've seen the memes on the internet and everything on the internet's true. Um, <laughs> I think uh, th th it was like people who swear more are more honest. Really? I don't know if there's anything to it. <laughs> Fuck me sideways. <laughs> wow. That's five or six. If you swear more, you're more, more honest. Yeah. We need to get that message out hard. Yeah, you know like what that. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Is that like drunks and children tell the truth? And and apparently pirates. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pirates, drunks, and children. Mm -hmm. Children don't swear that much, though. Do they? No. I always like it when. Have a you child been on Xbox swears. lately? Do they swear? What do we consider a children? Because if it's yeah. like ten to twelve, you know, they're still a child. They're right? cursing up still. Yeah, yeah, they're cursing up a storm on Xbox. One of my favorite moments in life was um, uh, my. Th she was three at the time. She's twelve now. Me and my wife were traveling somewhere, and this kid said, "Damn it." quite a bit mm -hmm. and and i would always walk into the other room and go god she she's just swore she said damn it and i really loved it and my wife would be like okay don't don't encourage that and i yeah. said i didn't tell her i loved it i'm telling you i loved it and then um we were out of town and she was staying with a friend and the friend was skyping us and then the friend said oh, by the way like leaned in so that the kid didn't hear her, and said by the way grace was swearing a lot this morning said some crazy things and i was like oh get her get her and she calls grace and grace comes and sits on her lap and i said grace i heard you were swearing and she said well dad it's fucking cold <laughs> <laughs> all and right i was so happy i was really so happy yeah yeah as, so, as a kid damn and damn it where i think the was the one word i was authorized yeah up to like you know, 12 years, 10 years, 12 years. Yeah. Old. Damn it. <laughs> damn, damn, yeah. I, mean, I didn't, is that even really swearing? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It depends who you ask, it's I guess. It's blaspheming. It might, but I right. don't know that it's swearing, right? Yeah. Is that true? On a technicality? I, don't know. I I just, um, you know, I actually now tell my kids not to swear because I want them to develop vocabularies where they don't fall back on swearing as crutches, but I like to swear. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I do as well. <laughs> just not in a 
super public setting like no i'm not encouraging you to do anything that's against your morals this is completely just a subjective point okay good well we've really ironed out all the issues of the day absolutely thank you for coming thanks for the invite now for some q a uh this question is from adam Adam writes, any books you would recommend on nutrition? Uh, thanks for the question, Adam. I will say that I started the first book I ever read on nutrition was by a gal named Adele Davis. I can't even remember what the book was called. And I think I might have read two or three books by her. And they were kind of like very old school diet books. But I remember liking them a lot. And they were kind of straightforward. And if I'm remembering correctly, had some really good information in them. More current science-y books uh, that I'd recommend are Lane Norton wrote a book called Fat Loss for Life, and uh, Mike Isratel wrote a book called The Renaissance Diet 2.0. Both of those books are outstanding. I read both of them. So those are the books. Those are like my go-to books. If I have... Any question currently about anything, I look for an answer within one of those two books. Thank you for your question. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. 